0: We will be reading from Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35 today.
1: Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. But when that servant went out, he found one of the fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thank you, pledgers. Uh, wasn't that stand-up bass beautiful? Did that not set a beautiful, worshipful tone? That's Bradley Harrington, one of my students. I've taught him everything he knows about. What was that? For music. Except for music, yes. Uh, you got that right. Uh, and I want to. I want to thank Doug. That. Your testimony and the passage you used encapsulated the It's All His theme, as well as anything I've heard, so thank you so much. Again, this morning we're talking about grace greater than our wrongs. Last week we talked about grace greater than our sin. There are songs about that, but what about grace greater than our wrongs? And by that I mean wrongs that have been placed upon us by other people, wrongs that we've had to face at the expense of the sometimes meanness or insensitivity of others, Sometimes it's extreme. There's Alex Nsenjimano, who was a child of the 1994 genocide in Rwanda. Uh, He was really a child of that. He was orphaned at age four just a few years earlier, went to live with his grandmother and his uncle. But then the um, Hutu clan within that village formed a militia, and they went to the home because they knew that his grandmother and his uncle, Alex's grandmother and uncle, were of the hated Tutsi tribe. And they made all the children go in the house, and they looked out the windows in horror as Alex's grandmother and uncle were tortured to death. And here he is, an orphan again. An aunt took him in for a time, but then she became ill. And died, and he found himself at an orphanage at a very young age. Alex was hurt and angry and struggling to understand, how could I ever forgive these people, who were neighbors of mine, who knew us by name, and who murdered my family? He struggled to forgive. Well, we struggle as well not nearly to that degree, maybe not with a circumstance like that, but we struggle to forgive others. Some call this the messy side of grace. You know, when you're on the receiving end of grace, it's wonderful. We sing about it, we celebrate it, we talk about it with one another, but giving grace, especially to those who have wronged us, hurt us, betrayed us, cheated on us, disappointed us, let us down then it's difficult to grant grace. It can be a lot messier being on the giving end. But we're called to do just that because you know why grace is only grace if it goes both ways. Let me put it this way up on the screen. The extent to which we are willing to give grace reveals the extent to which we have received grace. Will you say that with me one time? The extent to which we are willing to give grace reveals the extent to which we have received grace. Put another way, the reality of grace in your life is the extent to which you offer grace and forgiveness to persons who have wronged you, especially those who deserve it the least. Then you really find out how much Grace in your life is real. Now look at the cover of your bulletin again. I was so grateful last week for Jacinta, who came up with simply grace and then the greater than mathematical symbol. I wouldn't have thought about that. Uh, I haven't taught Bradley math either, by the way, music and math. But I thought that was so creative to to have the grace and greater sign. But could that equation fit for grace is greater than the wrongs we have faced? Is it really greater than those wounds and hurts that we've experienced at the hands of other people? The answer is yes. You know why? Because of God's grace towards us. And we see this in the parable of the unforgiving debtor. Let's go right to it. And you can follow along up on the screen if you like. Matthew 18, 21. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, Peter, I am convinced, is trying to get a word of affirmation and add a boy from Jesus. Why? Back then, the rabbis said, you forgive somebody three times, and after that, you are justified in getting even. In other words, three times you forgive, after that, give them the works if you want to. So Peter basically took what the rabbis said, doubled it, and added one for good Christian measure. He thinks he's going to get really affirmed. You know, how many times should we... Uh, uh, Give grace to people, Jesus, seven times. Oh, Peter, seven times. How magnanimous of you, how generous. Why can't all the disciples be like you? I think that's what Peter was waiting for. And then Jesus shocks him. Go to the next verse. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, that's in the NIV, 77 times. Some of you might have a translation that says what? 70 times seven. It's probably 70 times seven. Or what is that, 490? 490. 490. 490 times. It could be 77. The key is Jesus is taking what he said, seven, and increasing it manifold. Maybe 70 times seven, and whichever number it is, and it can be either one based on the Greek there. What he's saying is, yeah, you got to keep forgiving. And yes, you keep forgiving because it is a process, especially people who have done you so wrong. It's very, very difficult to forgive somebody instantly. It's a process, but Jesus says, you do it. You do it. You do it. Is it possible? Yes, it's not easy, but it's possible because grace is greater than the wrongs we've experienced. It's greater than that. And you might say, well, wait a minute, Jesus. Do you realize how how badly that person hurt me? Do you realize how badly she let me down? Do you realize how it felt when he cheated on me? Do you realize how that made me feel so terrible when I was so humiliated by that person. And Jesus says, yes, and you know what? Grace is greater than that. Now, that's hard for us to stomach. It seems rather outrageous. Well, maybe that's why Jesus, in order to get this outrageous idea across, tells us an outrageous parable. starts at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, that is, with his staff, okay? Go to verse 24. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, the people listening to Jesus tell this already realize how outrageous this is, how exaggerated this is. 10,000 bags of gold back then would be sort of the equivalent of $150 million or so today. It's a lot of money. Some translations say 10,000 talents. Uh, what Jesus does there is, is take the largest Roman coin, which was the gold Talenta, and connects it with l- the largest number conveniently expressed in the Greek language, which is 10,000. I mean, it, this, this was more than the reserve of the Roman Empire, okay? It's almost like saying, I, you need to pay the national debt to me by Friday. Okay, it's that absurd. Even in the height of the Athenian Empire before the Roman Empire, you've heard of the Parthenon up on the Acropolis. They had the Bank of Greece there. They had 10,000 talents there. That was the treasury of the Athenian Empire. That's what this guy owes. He basically owes the man Fort Knox, okay? But verse 25... And this is not outrageous. This was rather usual back then, very normal, very typical. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, that was common in that day. Not unusual at all. If somebody was in great debt... You could sell that person and his spouse and uh, his children into slavery, and then you took everything else they had and sold it, and that's how you would wipe the books. You know, you got what you could out of it. Cut your losses, close the books, we move on. Now, that's very cruel and severe, but here's what we want to remember even now. Let's plant this in our minds. It's very vital to understand that how Jesus is setting this up speaks to our own standing before God. Do you hear me on that? How Jesus is setting this up speaks to our own standing before God. There's nothing about us, there's nothing you and I could ever do to balance the books with God due to our sin. There's nothing we could do. We owe God an unpayable debt. You know, but outrageously, sometimes we think we can pay it off. And this guy, bless his heart, thinks he can. Go to the next verse. At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. One day, I'll pay you back Fort Knox. Now, that's impossible. It's just impossible. The joke gets funnier. I can even hear people who are listening to Jesus' crazy story starting to laugh. How much time would he need to pull this off? Well, back then, uh, a a staffer for a king would get about $80 a year. It would take at the very, very, very least $125,000 years, rather, for him to pay it off. It's absurd, It's absurd, and that's without interest, you know. So the listeners are laughing at this hyperbole here that Jesus is telling. But then Jesus comes to the wonderful twist, as he often does in this parable, which must have struck the people who were listening. Go to the next verse. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and did what? Let him go. He let him go. And the crowd, I'm sure, some of them must have gasped as they listened to this story. This unexpected grace, this forgiveness of the debt. $150 million or whatever it would be. The entire revenue of the Roman Empire, he forgives that debt. He just cancels it. And I want you to look at the two verbs that you find here that are translated from the Greek. Cancel and let go. Do you see that? Cancel and let go. Because we're going to revisit that in a moment. Now, so, it's just wiped clean. This incredible debtor is given release. But look at what he does immediately. Go on to the very next verse. But when the servant went out, <laughs> when the servant went out, literally in the Greek that says, but in the act of leaving, <laughs> immediately he goes out. Okay, and what did he do? He found one of his fellow servants. who owed him a 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded incredible. He goes right out after being forgiven this incredible debt and goes and grabs this guy by the neck and says, you owe me. Isn't it interesting how the debtor, the man who was once the debtor, turns creditor? And the man, what does the man owe him? It's basically 100 denarii. Do you know what that's like for us? 20 bucks. 20 bucks compared to millions, millions and the debtor now, the new debtor, uses the exact words that the man who went and grabbed it by the neck, who had just been forgiven, he uses the same terminology, the same wording. Look at Matthew 18, verse 29. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Just what the man who had been in debt before had said. But this man's response, the debtor turned creditor, his attitude is different. Go to verse 30. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. So the joke here really turns sour and outrageous, and perhaps those people who were listening were even bothered by this man who would do such a thing. This would be like if you won the lottery, and right after you get your check, you go out right afterwards and go find an unemployed friend who owes you $20, and you demand their money. It's that outrageous. Now let's look at the rest of the story. Verses 31 through 35. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Next verse. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then this scary word from Jesus, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, you kind of understand the, the, the end of the story up until that last part. How do you explain that last part? Troubles a lot of people, makes them nervous. Again, Jesus has been speaking the entire time in hyperbolic fashion and hyperbole, but what's the point? What's the point? This man was offered forgiveness for a debt he could not ever repay. But here's the key, friends. He didn't really receive it. He did not receive it. If he had really received it, he never would have treated the other man in the way that he did, the man who owed him just a few dollars. And so the master gives him over to the jailers. This reminds me of Romans chapter 1, where God gives the sinners over to their sins. Remember, but God gave them over to their sins. That's what God's going to do for us. We have a free choice. And God wants us to make the right choice, understanding how much debt we are in because of his incredible, marvelous grace. But he's going to give us a choice. And if we make the wrong choice like this first debtor did, he gives us the freedom to choose that. And so really, the jailers there are our own sin that keep us from forgiving others. And why does he do this? Because the man really disgraced grace. (laughs) Think about that. He disgraced grace. He refused to accept it. And I think it's interesting where he says, until he should pay back all that he owed. That's still a joke. There's no way he could ever do that. It's absurd. It's just like you and I can never begin to think in some absurd fashion that you and I can repay the debt that Jesus paid for us on the cross. You see now perhaps why Jesus uses this form of parable to talk about this. It's crazy for us to think we could ever repay Jesus for what he did for us. And that's the bottom line. Having received the grace of God, you and I are called to duplicate it to other people. We owe a debt we can't pay. Jesus forgave our incredible debt. He canceled it. And that's what it is to know the saving mercy of Christ. We, you know Do we really take seriously, as we recited just a few minutes ago, what's that line from uh, the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our trespasses, fill in the blank. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You come from a reformed uh, Presbyterian tradition, oftentimes it's what? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do we take it that seriously as we Pray that prayer. We've got to forgive those who are difficult for us to love, difficult to grant grace, those who have wounded us so deeply. Yes, that's easier said than done. But let me ask you this. Don't you think Jesus knows that? (laughs) Don't you think Jesus knows that after what he had been put through? And let me say, after what we put him through, easier said than done, no one knows that better than he does. You know what you've been forgiven of is greater than anything you'll have ever have to forgive. I hope you hear that. And it's not to minimize the pain that you're facing when you struggle to forgive someone. The wrongs that have been done to you. But the more you understand the holiness of God and what the holy God who stepped out of eternity into our own lives and suffer and die for our behalf, when you really understand that, you realize the truthfulness of this that grace is greater even than those wrongs committed toward us. How fortunate we are to have received grace at all. You, you know, do, do you think Paul was serious? Paul called himself the what of sinners. Does anybody know? Help me with that. The chief of sinners. Do you really think that Paul, in his day, was the chief of sinners? I would say not necessarily. In fact, I would say probably not. But what does that say about him? When he says, I'm the worst of sinners, I'm the chief of sinners. I don't think he necessarily was, but it shows how seriously he took his sin and realizing the debt that Jesus paid for his sin. So he understood Psalm 103, verse 3. Which says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Or more recent translations say, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could survive? Who could survive? Which is Paul, why Paul wrote later on in Colossians 3, Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, I know we all struggle with this. I know we all struggle to forgive those who have wronged us. I want to go back to verse 27 and look at those two verbs, though, for a moment. Do you remember what the king does, what the master does with that man's debt? He cancels it and lets it go. Who is that person that you hold a grudge towards? Let it go. At least begin the process of letting it go. Who's the person who cheated you? Who's the person who betrayed you, disappointed you, failed you? Let it go. Who's the person that's so annoying to you? Who's that person who's just simply hard to be around? Let it go. Whom do you hold kind of a petty anger toward? Let that go. Whom do you feel like you could never really forgive? Let it go so it could one day be canceled. You know, grace doesn't mean you're not going to feel pain anymore. In fact, in some ways, it's choosing to live with the pain. And sometimes, even if you forgive that person, they, they might not be around, they might, might not make anything better. Even if you become reconciled with that person, there's still pain involved. There's still a hole because of the, the, the pain that you experienced. Oftentimes, they can't make it right, but often there's nothing you can say, and it just hurts. But here's the thing you're never going to be asked to forgive more than you've been forgiven. Let me just say that again. You are never going to be asked to forgive more than you have been forgiven. That's it in in a nutshell. Thank God grace is greater than your sin and my sin, and it's greater than your hurts and your wrongs that have been placed upon you by others. You know, someone has said the key to really giving grace is to stop thinking about what's been done to you and start thinking about what Jesus has done for you I began talking about Alex and Sinjimana, who was the child of Rwandan genocide. Such a hard life, sees his uh, family members tortured, murdered, and then orphaned later on. Must have struggled with forgiveness. Let's watch a little bit more of his story.
0: Just that just kid our grandmother, it was our neighbors who we knew by name. started getting sick she was about to pass away and didn't know who would take care of me and my brother she went across the street uh, to this orphanage called uh, Jisimba Memorial Center we were admitted in the orphanage then three months later she also died personally I was really really angry and searching for something then Operation Christmas Charlie came in our orphanage and just having something that we could call our own, that we could play with and that could take our minds off of what happened during the war. Receiving that shoebox was just the beginning of my faith. I started to understand that the world hasn't forgotten. It reminded us that, you know, someone out there cared for us. Minnesota. I love everything about Minnesota, but one thing, and that's the snow and the cold. The Lord out a way to do it. He had prayed that the Lord would just give him one shot, and um, that there was this one opportunity for him to have to get out of Rwanda. My mom, she is a testament to the love of Jesus Christ for following God's voice to be a mother to to orphans. Mm -hmm. My biological mom and my grandmother, uh, wherever they are out there in heaven, they're, you know, applauding her for what she's doing. I'm just so thankful that I miss mom. Alex has a call in his life. I don't know what it will be, I just know it will be extraordinary. Operation Christmas Child wanted to give me that opportunity to deliver shoeboxes in the orphanage, in the same orphanage that I grew up in, and the same orphanage that I received in mine. When I received that gift, I got that message of hope, which continued to answer my questions of why I was alive and I believe, without a doubt, that Operation Christmas Art can have a big part in bringing hope and love in the people of Rwanda.
1: Your seatbelt must be tightly fastened, ready for take I have
0: felt called to be back and to help in the process of forgiveness and reconciliation because that's what the country is going for. If there's anything I can do, that's what I will. Want to be back and help. Coming to understand that God loved me, and God loved not just me, but everybody, including those people who killed my family. Forgiveness frees the people who committed the crime by also them having peace and understanding that Christ can also forgive them. I'm trying to go to the prison to see if I can meet with the people who killed my family and to just share the message of forgiveness that uh, I've gotten to have through Jesus Christ. Father pray that me continue to bless it, Lord, and just give him peace that it deserves. <laughs> Thank you for your love and your kindness. I pray that your spirit may be with him and just protect him wherever he goes, Lord, and may have the peace that comes through you, Lord. We saw God. We saw God's love. And after Alex confessed to him that he was forgiving him, because he has trusted in Christ, he has known a God who is forgiving, the act was so humbling, after which they hugged each other. Man, I cried. I worshipped God in my heart and said we still have a God that can really transform hearts. Someone may hear this story and all they hear all they think of is oh, poor guy, he lost everything. I want people to have this reaction. That is a powerful God. The God who did that in my life protecting me through the war is the God who is working in their lives is the God who is with them each and every day
1: I see Alex as somebody who has an amazing understanding of of grace and the extent to which he has been forgiven to that extent he is able to give grace for the most ultimate of wrongs I've seen that video a few times and I even look at the person whom he forgave, the man who murdered his family members. And, and I, I wonder, and this is me being human, I, I, I'm wondering, does, it, does he really, you know, did this mean a lot to him too? I don't know. I, I, it, it could well have. But what really strikes me is, in the long run, what this shows is how Alex knows the extent to which he's been forgiven and he's able to grant that. In such an outrageous way. Such a scandalous way. Just as Jesus did for you and for me. Let's pray together. And I want you to do this. And this is just between you and God. No one else. At least at this point. Who is someone you are struggling to grant grace towards? Who is someone you are struggling to forgive? Who comes to the surface of your mind and heart It might even be a visceral reaction, but who is that person? Will you follow Alex's lead? Will you follow Jesus's lead and ask Jesus now to help you forgive that person? Again, it might be a process, 70 times 7, and it's not easy, but it's doable, and it's something we can do and should do because of the debt that he paid for us. Will you pray silently about that for just a moment? Lord, we are such debtors, and so often we fail to even face up to that. We're too busy, we're too prideful, we're too preoccupied, or we're too hurt. And yet we are such debtors, but the slate was wiped clean because of your death, your suffering, torture, and death. And for that, we have reason to give thanks, and we have reason to grant grace, because it is bigger even than the person who wronged us and the pain that we have felt because of that wrong. So be with us at this point of commitment, and may we commit ourselves all the more to being the grace-giving people that you want us to be. We pray these things in your name. Amen.